0: Having church. Having church. 700 years before the the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah wrote of him when he said that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus would quote that when he stepped into the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry and would say, Today this has been fulfilled. So scholars have, have looked at that verse and wrestled with all of its meanings. Pastors across this world have read this thing over and over again. And people like us, if we're honest, people like us look at it and go, Man, Could that be true? Could what we read and could what we study and could what the dude with the mic says actually be true? Imagine if it was. Imagine if Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger on a dirt floor to two poor little kid parents, who would spend the first 30 years of his existence in obscurity and the next three years of his life flipping the world on its ear, challenging everything that the religious leaders thought. He would talk about forgiveness and love, and he would say, if you love me, you would love those. He would tell stories of kids coming home to their fathers and he would tell stories of pearls and swine what if the guy that fed the 5000 and walked on water who could call legions of angels at, at just a whisper what if what if that guy who willingly let Soldiers take him before a guy named Pilate and remain silent and then be mocked. What if that guy, who scripture says was fully man, which means he was us, and yet God? Yet, where Paul writes that. That he didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, something to be possessed, something to, to, to like guard against. But he came in the form of, of man, of you and I, and humbled himself to the, to the point of death. What if Jesus, who scripture tells us, was before all things? What if before, and he was before all things and all things that were made had been touched by his own hand? What if the Jesus that would carry the instrument of his death up a road to a hill called Golgotha and there be crucified and hang between two criminals that deserved it and before he breathed his last breath would look up to heaven and say, it's finished. What if the guy who was pulled off the cross, wrapped up in a shroud, led to a grave bought by Joseph, and sat there for three days while his disciples wondered wondered if everything that they were thought of and told was just a lie? Wondered if? The Jesus that they had listened to that had healed and touched and breathed life and there's so many were actually dead. What if that guy was the one that Isaiah talked about? What if that guy was the one that could heal the hearts of us? That could break the binds of ours? That could set us free? What if that was true? Man, what if that was true? And then what if after three days of silence... That same Jesus rose again and took the cloth that covered him, folded it up, and laid it on a rock. And for the first time in human history, death was no longer something to fear. And sin was no longer something to be consumed by, because Jesus, yes. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a carpenter's son, mm-hmm. came for us, yeah. came to proclaim liberty to the captives and open the prisons of those who were bound. Could that possibly be true? Oh, my friends, absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Why can I say that? Because I've been converted. Right? I I mean, you think about that. And you wonder, for, for those that have made that choice, and this isn't like point your finger at the guy in the back that, you know, lost a bet and is in church today. But, but if you stopped and thought about what if what the book says and what if what the guy that invited you here says is true, what if Jesus actually died for the likes of you? I know that he did because in my heart and in my experience, I've seen the brokenhearted whose faces is covered with tears of sorrow turn around and experience joy for the first time. For those that are, are wrapped into sin and addiction and all the stupid choices humanity makes, I've seen them set free and I've watched men and women who have found their physical and man-made cell that has consumed them and defined them and restricted them and kept them from the life that God has promised step out for the first time of a prison of their own making because God has shattered the walls and breathe the fresh air that is freedom in Christ. Man, this morning, more than anything, more than great music, more than a slide guitar, more than a church filled with people, I hope that you leave here, and before you eat your ham or your chicken, what else are you guys eating on it? What are we eating, ham? (laughs) Before all that stuff goes down before your kids get the sugar fix and start going, "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) you discover the God that I know. The God that loves you. That calls you by name. That knows the very numbers of hair on your head. That God. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, the risen Lord, the soon coming King. I pray, God, that you would you would let your word and your spirit begin to speak to us. And Father, where there are feelings of worry and conviction, or just condemnate, not conviction, but Lord, if there are people here that like, man, I can't deal with this, I pray, God, that just a peace would be about this place. That the words that I speak would make sense. That the words that you have written would pierce our hearts. And that men and women would come home. The men and women would be set free, that the brokenhearted would be mended, that those in chains would experience freedom, that those in prisons would walk out of those cells. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you guys are looking good today. Tell your neighbor and go, man, he's talking to you. Everybody get a string? Don't ever come to this church and say, I don't get nothing for you. <laughs> we spent a lot of money on this, broke the bank. I was going to buy you chocolate, but I couldn't afford it. So I got your string. Actually, the string is, is to talk to you about this picture. I came across this picture I was bored looking at Google or something. <laughs> you guys that are in school know that. You have a paper due, and you're like, I don't want to write a paper. So you Google stupid things to do while you should be doing homework. <laughs> and it tells you, look at pictures. And so I came across this picture, and I was like, man, that guy's nuts. And what struck me, first off, is the thing, guy on the left that's holding an elephant that will like zoologists will tell you that trunk can pick up 20,000 pounds and so that guy doesn't look that strong to me. The second thing then the more alarming thing to someone like me who would be like "Oh, I think it'd be kind of cool to touch an elephant but maybe not his tusk was that rope. And I'm like there's no way that rope can hold that thing and if I was that guy I would be like okay so I know that I'm not strong enough And I know that rope's not strong enough. Why doesn't that elephant just turn that guy into a human shish kebab? This is what I do when I should be doing something more profitable. (laughs) And so I googled, how does an elephant get held back by a rope or something like that? And what I discovered that when an elephant is small, they wrap the same size rope around his back leg. And when he's small, that elephant is not strong enough to break the rope. And over the course of his life, he is conditioned to believe that the thing that held him in his youth can contain him in his adulthood. The thing that, that captured him and limited him and, and kept him in one place as a child, he learned and believed could contain him when he had more strength than was ever needed to break that thing. And the reason I gave you this is because ropes come in all sorts of different sizes and shapes, especially with us human beings. Our experiences, our choices, our habits, our addictions, our worries. All form a series of ropes that at one time or another are tied to our leg and our choice this morning is whether we leave here with them or not but that's Easter in a nutshell Easter is about freedom and the question becomes not if freedom is offered but what do we do with it and even now this is what I believe that the Holy Spirit is going oh man is that that thing that has kept me from experiencing the life that God has for me? So, see, you see, I, I think one of the more powerful things that we tie ourselves to is our own sin. Oh, Dave, you've got to talk about sin. Well, yeah. I mean, if we were just sitting. Drinking a caramel macchiato with extra caramel with some whipped cream that Frank probably drinks. <laughs> it wouldn't be a hard conversation to have that's like, dude, I am tired of living this way. If we're just talking, I've rarely met a man or a woman that's like struggles with the ability to 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 talk about where they screw up in life. I, I, I find it very easy to talk to someone about, man, I get this, it keeps coming back, I've been praying about it, and, or, or it's just there. And some of, us, some of us are proud of it and others of us are ashamed of it, but, but it's like, yeah, man, I, I struggle with that. And, and we, we, we get to the point where we just accept it. It's like, well, that's just me. And so we, we have that thing around our ankle. And the danger with sin is that sin turns into, when it's ignored, a label. Labels are as difficult to break as any one sin ever hoped to be. You see, because a label now defines you. A label tells you that you're something other than what God has spoken over you, whether you're a Christian or not. Let me say that one more time. You see, we as church people get wrapped up in, in an event, in a sin, and yet what I would challenge you with And it is not the event, but the ramifications of an event long term in one's life where we begin to hang that around our neck, well, that's just me. And so now we are believing that we are limited and we can't experience or we can't explore or we can't approach God because I got this two stuff around my ankles. And finally, what that turns into, the thing that I most treasure in my life is skepticism. Cynicism, ah, oh, come on, dude, that ain't, shut up. I know none of you talk that way, I do. I read, I've been in parts of my life where I've read that book, where I've read scripture and come across stories, and it's like, that can't be true. You see, cynicism and skepticism make when you hear that God came in the form of man, to set the captives free, it's like, oh, come on, dude. Skepticism has always been a part of life, always been a part of humanity. As long as mankind's walked this earth, we've been cynics. Amen? Thank you. I was feeling kind of alone there. I was like, oh, you guys are all holy and righteous. And, and, and Dave's like, the dirtball. What am I going to do now? I could have Zan come up here and do another spoken word. Um, Jesus always faced skepticism and cynicism. It doesn't shock him. In fact, there's a story in in John one where where a guy named Philip runs into Jesus for the first time and. And he's like excited because he's a Jew and he's heard told from the time he was a wee little guy to an adult, man, there's a Messiah that's going to come and set us free. And he meets Jesus for the first time and he's like, oh, I found him. And so he does what we all do when we stumble across a dream that's true. We go tell our best friend we got to go tell that friend. we got to pick up. And because he didn't have an iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy 9 Edge, could text. He had to go actually talk to the guy's face. And he goes, Nathaniel, I found him. I found the one that Moses wrote of. I found him. And I love what Nathaniel says because it's probably something I would have said. And probably, not this side, probably right, yeah, definitely this side, half of you guys. <laughs> but Nathaniel goes, and this is how the message translates it. You've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Come on, Philip. What are you thinking? You see, it's one thing to talk about Jesus in the, in, in the theoretical, but when you start talking about, man, I've seen him. I've experienced him. I've heard his voice. I've listened to him. I've felt his touch. I know that he hears me. I know that he binds up the brokenhearted. I know that he breaks these bounds. I know that. You've got to be kidding me. Come on. And Jesus faced that all the time. It says when, when he first spoke at a temple, everybody was amazed at how smart he was. And then somebody looked out in the audience. And I've, I've kind of been way, looks out in the audience from, from, from who knew him, is like, hey, isn't that Mary's boy? Isn't, isn't that that little screamer that used to live down the street? I remember when he was like in diapers. I, he, he, like, ate dirt. And he would be, like, playing in Joseph's sawdust pile. That, that guy can't be him. You've got to be kidding me. You see, our Messiah is supposed to be distant because we should believe that God's distant. We believe that 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 God is unapproachable, so how could Jesus hang out with the likes of us? You gotta be kidding me. We we walk around with these things and like Nathaniel. Like, come on, dude. Seriously. And yet I love Philip's, I love Philip's response. Philip's response for every is for every Christian in the world that feels like they have to preach. Philip's response was simply this, to a cynical, skeptic friend. He says, come and see. Come and see. Worship team, can you come back up here? This morning, whether you battle guilt or shame or think this whole thing is a crock, That's a biblical term in the ancient Greek. (laughs) Come and see. Come and discover a God who the prophet Isaiah, who through the prophet Isaiah said that, hey, look, I don't think the way you think. And I don't work the way you work. So how else... If Jesus is different, how else can we explain? If, if Jesus fits our cynical beliefs, how else can we explain when we walk to him with our sins and our guilt and our shame when we refuse to come to him because we are, we're, we're limited by the stupid choices that we make? How else can we hear the words from Romans, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us? While we're still sinners, while we still had that thing wrapped around our leg, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get fixed up and come to church all showered and clean and and prepped with 30 verses that you can quote to express all the religious people. He died for you while you were still messed up. Man, I love that because that gives someone like me hope. So come and see the God that before you got all showered and shaved and and wore a cool coat. He still sent his son to die for you. So great was his love for you. How else can you take all these stupid labels that have defined you for so long? For too long. That you are unloved, that you are not worth anything, that you can't imagine any sacrifice, that you can't picture any hope. How how can you explain the fact that God not only dies for you, but once you profess faith in his son, he calls you his own. That Because we are his children in Galatians, God sent us the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba Father, and now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. No longer a slave, no longer bound by the lies of the enemy, no longer limited by the labels that you have adopted you are his child and if you're his child every other thing you have ever told yourself doesn't make sense because how can one of God's children be anything more than precious how can one of his creation who he sent his son to die for be anything more or less than his son or daughter And since you are his child, you're also his heir. How else can you take the skepticism and cynicism that keeps you from considering life other than what you have lived, that has robbed you of the mystery of the cross? Because you live in a society that only believes what you can tangibly touch, physically see, and intellectually measure. That's cynicism at its core. To believe that this world is contained and limited by humanity's comprehension. But God in his love does the unimaginable. He comes from perfection to imperfection. So that he builds a bridge between you and I. So that we can have relationship with him. He's the God that went to Thomas. Jesus Christ of Nazarene, hung on a cross, buried for three days, came out, resurrected Lord, has everything at his fingertips, does not get mad at Thomas, but says, hey, buddy, come here. Come and touch. Come and feel. Tradition tells us that Thomas went on further than any other disciple known and spread the gospel further in the world than anyone else, and he was the doubter. Come and see what the Lord has done this morning. I love you guys enough to be honest with you. These things are not strong enough to rob you of the life God has promised you. Not your sin, not your labels, not your skepticism. These things are what they are. Little tiny pieces of twine that you have come to believe restrict you from enjoying the life God has promised you, that God has designed for you, that God has put in motion for you. Why rob yourself of life because you believe that you can't move? Well, we're all adults here. We are not the children that bought the lie. We no longer have to be limited by the very thing that the enemy wrapped around us. That our choice is wrapped around us. That God, from Genesis on, put in motion a plan to set us free. This world, man, is so much richer than what we live. All that it takes is the ability to go before God. just say hey I'm weary I'm weary so I want to pray with you and I want you to pray with me if you so choose some of you are here that have never accepted Christ as your Savior which means you've walked around with these all your life and you've never really fully and I'll say this so you never really fully experienced the life that is meant to be lived here Right? You're you're trapped and you think, you know, this is all that there is and I want to tell you that there's so much more. The world comes alive in Christ. Relationships deepen and friendships become hopeful and my relationship with God replaces all the labels and all the sin is cleansed and my skepticism falls away because I can engage in the Holy God because I am no longer labeled or sinful. I am set free and I am clean by what Christ did. Come home. Don't join a church. I'd love to see y'all here next Sunday. That's not what this is. Come home. As Father God, those of you that are like, man, could this be for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So with every head bowed and every...